Today on CityCast Salt Lake, it's Friday, which means we're looking back on the week with fun and thoughtful Salt Lakers. This week, we've got Utah Education Association President Heidi Matthews and Sweet Streets board member Taylor Anderson, who I think can best be summed up by his own tweet from this week. Quote, one day you're young and carefree, and the next you're asking the city council to lower the speed limit across town. It's Friday, March 4th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Taylor, Heidi, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Happy Friday. I'm really excited to chat with you both this week because I think you both had big W's. Taylor, I want to start with you. Tell us about your win this week. My win this week from the uh, volunteer advocacy group Sweet Streets. We try to focus on making our built environment, our streets, our roads safer for anybody that's interacting with them, crossing the street, going for a walk. However you get around the city, uh, Mm -hmm. everybody is a pedestrian at some point, and we are focused on making traveling in whatever your your preferred method a little bit safer for everybody. So one of the things that we're trying to do is change the default posted speed limit from 25 miles an hour to 20 miles an hour. And the city council gave us an initial, they take a vote, a straw poll vote. It's like a really early stage vote to start the process that will become formal and public and all that. But they voted on Tuesday night to agree with us and start that process. So we're pretty excited about that. That's awesome. As I understand it, that's a lot of work that went into just that initial vote. What difference does that five miles make? It's huge. I mean, the closer we can get to 20 miles per hour for the speed that cars are traveling on our streets and roadways, we're going to have car on person violence. Like cars hit people all the time. It's a tragedy Mm -hmm. that we have kind of built into our daily lives that we just kind of tolerate as like the cost of Mm -hmm. get being able to have cars everywhere. And The risk to serious injury and death is almost exponential. It grows almost exponentially with each mile per hour above 20 miles an hour. Um, So it's like this is based on we didn't just come up with this because it's like nice because people are like, hey, why not five? Why not 10? And yeah, because 20 is plenty is really catchy. (laughs) It is. It's it's out of England that that it started. I mean, it's like a group of like they're totally separate. But the catchphrase came from England and it sounds very British to me. But no, it's it's like best practice from the World Health Organization, the United Nations. Over 100 countries have endorsed this idea and many of them are already moving toward adopting and implementing it. Mm -hmm. And a handful of U.S. cities are are doing so as well. So we didn't just like pull 20 out of a hat because it sounds nice, but um, it's backed by research, it's backed by data, and it's best practiced by people who know these things. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I look forward to um, getting hit by cars less. Our producer, <laughs> Nick, has been hit by a car in the avenues twice. What? Um, yeah. So we you got support on this team because... <laughs> I myself am not a great driver, too, so I think keeping me at 20 is probably a good idea for everyone. 20's plenty, Allie. 20's plenty. <laughs> Heidi, I'm so excited that you're here because we've been talking about education a lot on this podcast, and you all had a big win this week in the form of a defeat, I guess. How are you and your teachers doing? How are you feeling? Oh, you know, this has been a really, really rough session. I, you know, not to sound too cliche, but it really has been the the best of times, worst <laughs> of times. 
uh, throughout the session. And, you know, it's not over till it's over. And these last moments are kind of nail biters. Totally. With, with how things, how fast things move and, and morph and change and mm-hmm. waiting for that midnight bell. Yeah. Or that gavel to come down and just give a sigh. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of the wins, um, we are seeing some fabulous investments in public education. Um, The weighted pupil unit, the WPU, which is kind of the the fundamental basis for what the state provides Mm. to our our local districts for our public schools to run, which is usually about half of what the total funding is. The rest comes from the local property taxes. Okay. That WPU is is really the foundation that we always work to try to increase because it gives our local districts the most flexibility to address the needs. You mm. know, do they need more counselors? That comes out of the WPU. Do they want to lower class sizes? That comes out of the WPU. Got it. So we're seeing some great investments there, and we've also seen some bad bills that have not seen the light of day, which was great. And one really big one on school vouchers mm-hmm. that was resoundingly defeated mm-hmm. yeah. on the floor of the House this year. And I mean, I think uh, that was a pretty unpopular bill. Even the governor said that he wouldn't sign it. But sometimes the legislature is just like lighting the match. They're they're inviting the conversation in and that does enough damage whether or not the bill passes. And I have to wonder if that's how teachers are feeling about some of these. Oh, absolutely. And and this isn't just happening here in Utah. This is a nationwide, very organized, well-funded attack, mm-hmm. kind of an onslaught of, of bills that really have... Um, question the integrity of our teachers, of our educators, that if they were to be enacted, would be so time-consuming, um, insulting. Some of them it had opened up for, for litigation. Yeah. You know, let's sue your teachers for $10,000 if they make somebody feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's really been, it's been absurd. Fortunately, here in Utah, those especially um, onerous bad bills have not been successful. Mm. Why do you think that is? Well, it's taken a lot of effort. I'll, I'll say that. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. we had a uh, the, the Utah Education Association, professional association of educators in in the state. We have about a little over 18,000 18, members, and mm. um, we launched a petition on uh, House Bill 234 was all about, I'm putting quotation marks around the word transparency, um, mm. but it was all about all of the things that teachers were going to need to do to be sure that all of their lessons and all of their materials, websites, videos, handouts, whatever, were posted 30 days in advance. And if there was any changes to them, they could face litigation if they didn't make that uh, publicly known, and it was just so egregious yeah. that in twenty in forty eight hours we had thirty four thousand signatures. Wow! And it, I mean, it really struck a nerve, mm-hmm. and that stopped that bill. Mm-hmm. And and also, I think really uh, sent a message for some from some of the others that yeah. this was just something that you know doesn't help our our kids ultimately, right? Yeah, that's organizing. That is like the power of a union, right? It's like just that level of organizing. What do you think, Taylor? 
I'm just wondering, Heidi, like, what impact does this have, even though the bills didn't pass? Like, we're having a conversation about banning books, you know, requiring materials. Like, I, I don't even know what teachers have to go through to prepare each daily lesson, but we're now talking about doing that 30 days in advance and not being able to adjust on the fly. But, like, what amount of teachers are going to be like, screw it, I'm out. Like, I'm leaving, I'm doing something else, I'm leaving the state. Are you worried about that? It's, it's enormous. And that's why going back to your best of times and worst of times, um, while we will finish this legislation session with some great funding, it's really been hard to move past mm-hmm. the damage that the harm and the message that has been done just simply by the introduction of these many bills from gender and race bias bills um, that, that really impact our most vulnerable students, transparency, mm-hmm. parent bills of rights, uh, sovereignty, again, the, the vouchers which are taking public dollars and putting them into uh, private schools with little or no accountability. While we have been successful in putting them down, they've had a huge impact on the people who we rely on, our, our teachers, our educators, our, our counselors. And we did a, an informal survey of our leaders mm-hmm. um, a week or so ago, asking them, like, what impact has all of these negative bills had on your members in terms of their likelihood of wanting to leave the profession early? Mm-hmm. And we had all of these leaders, you know, weigh in. We have 41 local leaders in all the 41 school districts who are a part of the state Utah Education Association. And 93% said that as a result of these bills that were being introduced and the the negative message that they were sending, 93% of our educators were, were saying that they were more likely to leave the profession early. Now, that doesn't mean just, you know, today or th- this this school year or immediately, but it means that that seed has been planted. Yeah. Um, you know, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What other profession has hundreds of bills every year telling you how to do your job? Yeah. There are about 10 million reasons that it's unacceptable, (laughs) especially for teachers. But I think if you want to pass a million bills every year telling me how to do my job, then you should probably pay me a million dollars a year to start. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right. And, you know, being I've been a teacher for over 30 years and it's not just what we do. It's who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you send the message that we're not to be trusted, um, that that we need oversight from people who have never been in our shoes, but, you know, they went to school. Um, it's hard to separate. And we, we, we see that rather than trying to fight all of these negative messages and, and trying to do their best and always for our students who, the, you know, they've committed their careers mm-hmm. for, for students to thrive, that some people are, are really choosing other paths or, or thinking about other paths. And we can't afford to let that happen. No. I just I'm I'm thinking back to the the short you know in hindsight short period of time when COVID hits we realize <laughs> oh wow like teachers we knew they did a lot they're doing even more than we realized when it's disrupting the daily lives of everybody in the state when their kids are home instead of in school and then we come out of the gate in the first kind of year back to normalcy with all of this and it's just mm-hmm. it's like where where did the gratitude go and it's kind of disheartening mm-hmm. to me. Well, it is, but then it is also made more complex with 
some really positive things that have happened. Mm -hmm. um, at the Utah Education Association, we do a pre-legislative survey, and we, we look to our legislative priorities that have been vetted in our, in our organization, who are member-driven, and, and like, what do we really want to focus on this year? And without fail, everyone said, we need more time. We need more time to be able to be the best that we can be for our students. And that because the, the COVID pressures and then when we saw Omicron come and we didn't have any substitutes. And so you're having to cover during your prep period so that you don't prepare then at, at school and then that has to go home and then the pressures at home that are intensified. And we've got kids who are absent and you, you know, want to catch them up and it has just been ridiculous. And so one of the main bills that we were pushing for and working to move forward was uh, House Bill 396, which was for educator-directed flexible time. Um, we know that the legislature can't make more hours in the day, but they can respect it by, mm -hmm. by compensating for it. And it was really important that this is flexible time, mm -hmm. you know, not to create more work, but to just acknowledge and respect the steps that the heroes in our classrooms have, have really taken to keep school moving in some really difficult times. Mm -hmm. And I, I am happy to say that this bill... It's, it's passed, and it passed the House unanimously. And I, I don't know exactly the vote in the Senate, but it's going through, and it has been prioritized for, for funding even more than, the, than what we asked for as the UEA, which never happens. Oh, we asked wow. for $57 million. It's being prioritized at $64 million. So huge. What exactly would it do? Help me understand. It provides probably around 40 hours of... Um, flexible time of compensation for each licensed educator in the state. And that's to do things that they know that they need to be doing. A Saturday attending a conference mm. that you can have some compensation for. Perhaps the, you know, the many hours that we do throughout the summer that they can receive compensation for. I see. So it's, it's really recognizing the number of, of hours and, and needs that our teachers are feeling to be successful and be able to, to support their students and, and really differentiating for them, not saying, you know, a one size fits all for our professional development. It's like we know what we need and we need more time. And if you can't make more hours in the day, at least respect it. Right. That's amazing. So is it oversimplifying it to say that this would just be really similar to being able to pay teachers overtime? I guess that's a that's a way of looking at it, you know, as a as a professional, you know, overtime. If we charged for overtime, holy smokes, um, you know, right? We'd be we'd be millionaires. But I I think it's at this point it's a level of respect given the confines of the legislative session and with respect of what our legislature can do. So much of the the employment mm. decisions. And, and allocations and expectations are done at the local level. And this is just a, a very appropriate and welcomed boost. That's amazing. That's a huge W. <laughs> it's news to me, so it's more than I was even expecting. <laughs> it is, and it's, it's combined with tentatively, you know, we'll see at midnight, more than 6% on the on the weighted pupil unit of, of an increase. Um, hmm. And so, and then that's definitely a positive direction. We had asked for 7, 7.5%. So mm -hmm. six is getting closer. We're not giving up hope. It's not midnight yet. <laughs> so we'll see. 
anything could happen. I'm so glad you're here to share this with us because I feel like what I've been reading in the headspace I've been in with a lot of these education bills is really, really negative. And you've shed light on some really great things. And I'm so grateful for that. It's a nice way to end the week. Thank you. On that note, the thing that's giving me a little bit of hope this week is also legislative session related. So I grew up uh, the child of an immigrant parent who often was interpreting for them. It's a, also a tale as old as time if we're going to continue with our <laughs> tropes. Um, and there is a bill in the legislature that I'm pretty happy about, and it's got good support, and I think it's going to get through. It's HB 216, and it has a the incredibly sexy title of Modifications to Driver's License Examination. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But here's why it's exciting to me. So right now you can only take the driver's license exam in another language if you are a refugee or an asylum seeker. And this bill would remove some of that gatekeeping and it would require the state to offer driver's license exams in the top five most frequently spoken languages in the state. I don't know exactly what they are. I tried to do a little research and find out, but um, the bill requires that the driver's license division consult with the Division of Multicultural Affairs in order to make that assessment. If I'm guessing, and based on a little bit of research the TRIB did, I think we're looking at Spanish, absolutely, probably also Swahili and Arabic. And I like the idea that in Utah, with some of these bureaucratic processes, we're saying, hey, Mm We want to set you up for success. Take this exam in the way that is easiest for you. The goal is that we want you to pass. We want you to get a driver's license. You know, we want this to be accessible. And so removing a lot of those boundaries and gatekeeping is exciting to me. Um, The other thing that this bill would do is open up job opportunities. I constantly forget how many times I'm required to provide a driver's license to do things. I take it for granted. A shocking number of employers ask for a driver's license in order to employ you. I had to provide my driver's license just to file my taxes last week, write a check, you name it. And so getting more driver's licenses in more hands in this state, especially in um, immigrant communities, is a good thing. So that's an that's an A plus for me. Of course, if I were to rework the bill into my dream bill, I would say we offer the test in every language not just the top five. I'm just like, I'm, I'm an open the gates kind of (laughs) gal. Let's get everyone a driver's license. Um, I feel like you both know this. The thing with the Utah legislature is that you're going to get what you get. It's never going to be your dream legislation. They're going to give you an inch and then you come back next year and ask for a mile. But I think this is a big W and it's certainly giving me a little bit of hope this week as we head into the final hours of this process. Love it. And we're seeing some great progress with a, a few refugee supports in House Bill 302 and 230 that really look at different ways of assessing age mm-hmm. for our refugee students. Mm. Not all cultures place a lot of emphasis on on birthdays like what we do. Mm. And so sometimes people are coming in and, and they aren't being appropriately placed in, in a class because the age isn't part of the thinking. And so it'll be really important for kids to be, you know, supported in, in being able to get that, their education at, at that Yeah, level. getting settled in the right classroom. That's a really mm-hmm. good point. Yeah. The legislative session, I don't know, for me, my like torch in the dark halls of the Utah legislature is these like small 
bureaucratic changes that are often really simple solutions that have this like massive ripple effect in the community. And that switch can go either way. That switch can be up and it's a feel good thing. That switch can be down and it sucks and it makes teachers lives harder. Those are often the places where I find enthusiasm for this session is in some of those like little bureaucratic changes that we just we don't think about as much. But it is a reminder of like how many interns and lawyers and good people are up on the hill, like researching and looking for solutions all year round. Absolutely. All right. My last question for you both. What are you looking forward to this weekend, Taylor? What do you what's on deck for you? Well, we might get snow for the first time since I can remember. And, you know, (laughs) in addition to loving to ski and powder and not having had a powder day this year, I know we need the water uh, for the summer. And Mm -hmm. um, a double whammy for the weekend is I have a a running streak of about 15 years of powder days on my birthday. And my my birthday's on Sunday. So it looks like we'll be uh, continuing the streak. Thanks. That's That's exciting. Awesome. I won't ask you how old you're going to (laughs) be. Older, yeah. (laughs) Older. (laughs) Heidi, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, Honestly, nothing. (laughs) I'm looking forward to the nothing because Mm -hmm. this pace. um, Yeah. I've been the Utah Education Association president for... Five and a half plus years, and uh, my term ends this summer. So this will be my last legislative session as, as the, the in this role. And um, oh wow, it, it's just been exhausting. And so I I look forward to um, sleeping in and having a cup of coffee and here, not, here. just just being done and yeah. and seeing people without having to be convincing them. <laughs> Not just lobbying every right, every right. in every aisle of the supermarket. Just, just for a while, just for you know, maybe a couple days. Well earned, Heidi. Enjoy that. Oh, well earned indeed, Heidi. You kind of stole mine because mine was also going to be nothing. <laughs> but the um, the thing that I am planning to undertake this weekend is for a long time I've said that I want to learn how to make a souffle. <laughs> I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why I feel like this overwhelming need to prove that I can make a souffle. Um, I probably just watched too many like rom-coms about cooking people. But um, I'm determined to learn how to make a souffle this year. I would like to cap the year by making a gingerbread souffle around Christmas time. So this weekend is going to be my first souffle attempt. It is definitely going to be a disaster based on everything I've read. Like that's what you should expect is that the beginning is rough going. But hopefully by the end of this year, I'll be a souffle queen you both welcome over to my house too. <laughs> I love it. I love this it. is the egg thing, yeah? Like the yes. puffed up and okay. This is the classic, like you pull it out of the oven, you're filled with joy, and then pfft, it like sinks in and you're sad. That's yep, that's it. Promise us one thing. Can you can can I wake up, read the City Cast Salt Lake newsletter and have a first attempt photo and then your <laughs> your once you've mastered it, can we see a side by side when you get it down? Yeah, absolutely. I'll put I'll even put the first attempt photo in black and white, like a hair product commercial where it's like me really frustrated and crying in a sad souffle. And then by the end of the year, there'll be a happy souffle. No problem. Yeah. But see, this is exactly what we do in schools. Find something you care about 
And you know it's not going to be perfect the first time. So you learn through that that process and you embrace that, you know, failure. But it's just progress. Good for you. I love it. Heidi, you're so inspiring. We're going to miss you. <laughs> Thank you for your years of service as the president of the Utah Education Association. You've Thank done you. a lot of wonderful things in this state and for the state. And I know you'll continue to, but... On the eve of your, on the day of your last legislative <laughs> session, I just want to thank you. Oh, it means a lot. I, it's such an honor, you know, to, to represent educators throughout the state. Thank you both for being here. I had such fun with you. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you. Have a great weekend. And Taylor, happy birthday. Ah, yes. That's all for us today on CityCast Salt Lake. This show is produced by Nick Steffens and Diane Majapinto. Our newsletter writer is Madeline McGill, and the host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by the six wonderful Salt Lakers that make up mitochondria. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Bye.